behind the scenes at Score North and 1500 ESPN have sports opinions. So they want you to hear them. It's the perfect digital sports soapbox to scratch that Minnesota sports itch. This is the Score North Taxi Squad. Buckle up. It's time for another episode of the Taxi Squad. AJ Fredrickson here with you, joined as always by Mr. Artis Woods and Jason Stormer. Fellas, we had the week off last week with the 4th of July holiday festivities. How did you celebrate? Did you celebrate? Did you celebrate the uh, the, the anniversary of our nation's independence? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, started off with a uh, shot under 100 round of golf um, that uh, the, what was that, the Monday before 4th of July uh, for your boy to ever shoot under 100 in a round of golf. I mean, I might not do that again for another five years, really. I don't know what got into me. I went to the Les Bullstead University course, and that was a lot of fun with my, but went with my buddy Joe. But then I just spent some time up with my sister. She got a pool. I just relaxed and watched um, uh, National Treasure with my niece that night, too. She hadn't seen it before, and I thought that was a great way to celebrate America's birthday. How about you, Artis? Man, I chilled. I needed a day of rest, man. I have been tired. My lady felt the same way. So we just stayed inside. I know there was supposed to be a laser show out here at some point. We were thinking about attending that, but decided not to. It's like, yeah, we'd rather just chill, get a day of rest in. I feel like that was the best way for us to celebrate it. Just take the day off. It was a day off of work. We <laughs> needed it, kick your feet up, eat some barbecue, you know. So I enjoyed it from that standpoint. Normally I go out and do something, but I felt like this this time around it was nice to just relax and just chill. What did AJ do? Um, I was holding it down at uh, Hubbard Broadcasting. Super fun night. Company man. Love it. Yep, absolutely. The grind never <laughs> stops. Um, but it's a pleasure to be back here with you guys. We've got, uh, with the week off, a lot to talk about in a sense. You know, there's uh, we're, we're going to maybe veer away from the football pipeline that is the NFL and focus a little bit more. We have kind of the aftermath, the the fallout, if you will, of NBA draft. I know you guys had a very excellent episode. I was able to catch uh, with Manny Hill a couple of weeks ago, um, but summer league is in full swing down in Las Vegas. Anthony Edwards, a huge, massive, ginormous, whatever hyperbole you want to use to describe it, whatever adjective it's massive contract extension with the T uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. So jubilation across the state of basketball, if you will, and the Minnesota Wild, we have not talked about it, but they have wrapped up their draft. They've made a couple trades. They are possibly going to look to sign with the spare change they find in Bill Guerin's Ro uh, Rolls Royce as he drives under the XL Energy Center. I'm not exactly sure what they can do left. Um, and the Minnesota Twins just an abysmal coast into the Midsummer Classic as that's going on tonight. But let's bring it back around, pay off the tease. As I said, the man himself, number one overall, Anthony Edwards, ink to paper, pen to pad. He's back and he's here for a while. Do we know the exact details of this extension in terms of length and money figure yet? Or is that still um, yet to be known because I, I haven't seen exact figures quite yet. Uh, I think it is pretty much locked in for five years and upwards of 260 million. Now he has to hit some all NBA teams and some all-star games to get to that 260, but that's like the most money he could possibly make. And I think if we were all betting men, and I think sometimes we are in sports, I think we're, it's safe to assume that Anthony Edwards will eventually uh, be able to reach, um, reach that money marker per season uh, with uh, just the, some awards that he gets in the NBA. Um, 
This was a no-brainer move, obviously. I don't think any of us are going to come on here and say, "Mm, I don't know, maybe the Timberwolves should have waited on this extension. No, this is probably the most no-brainer extension in franchise history. Maybe you had had Kevin Garnett's first uh, contract extension way back when, whenever that was. But this, considering the last two big contracts that the Timberwolves have handed out, that being Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, we can go back to the Andrew Wiggins ones, guys. I mean, we know the infamous story about Glenn Taylor having to sit him down and look him in the eye and make sure that he was committed to putting an effort into the Timberwolves franchise. And, you know, we kind of saw how that played out a little bit. But the Carl stuff, even though even back at the time, everybody was down for that contract extension. By then, the whole Jimmy Butler thing happened. And I think already for some Timberwolves fans, there was maybe doubt about whether they wanted Carl Anthony Towns here for the long term future. And, you know, a lot of Timberwolves fans still maybe have that doubt. But this was just so obvious. I mean, going into the offseason, we knew it was going to happen, but there was no like debating about it. There was no, no, no anything. Even though, yes, the Timberwolves lost in five games to the Nuggets, I think we all took away from that play off series like yeah they got eliminated pretty quick but anthony edwards balled out and if anthony edwards can keep playing that and like that in the playoffs and this contract extension is totally warranted so it was nice i think kyle's talked about this too and phil how this contract extension france just happened no consternation whatsoever it was a no-brainer we got his name on airplanes flying over the twin cities we got his name and face on that giant big dome ball in las vegas now which that thing is super <laughs> cool but yeah i mean in terms of like giving out a max extension to almost any player throughout minnesota sports history this was just the easiest decision any of these franchises will ever have to make in terms of extending a player yeah, it was it was a pretty easy decision to make, and it's nice. It's nice for everybody involved. It's nice for Anthony Edwards. It's nice for the fan base. It's nice for the Timberwolves. I'm happy they got this done as soon as they got this done. There was no, you know, no bad bad blood on either side. They figured it out right away, immediately. The one thing I will say is, as far as the Timberwolves are concerned, don't take this lightly. It's not too many players in today's day and age that have signed that contract right away and stay with the team that drafted them. Players switch all the time, you know, and so that loyalty needs to be rewarded with players put around Anthony Edwards to win. And I feel like they'll make sure that happens. I feel like Anthony Edwards knows that'll happen, which is another reason why he signed. I just love the fact that he loves the city. He loves Minnesota. (laughs) It's clear, you know, he has a personality that could be really nice in the big market, honestly, but he loves Minnesota. And so happy for him, happy for the Timberwolves, happy for the fans. I'm excited to see what these next five, six years look like for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you need on this team. And I think when you look around the nation, it's a guy that is like when we, and when you ask a casual basketball fan in Ohio, in Nashville, Tennessee, in, um, I don't know, Phoenix, Arizona, if you say, hey, who do you associate NBA wise with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Off the top of the head, boom, Anthony Edwards. Not even, there's no question. There's no, uh, let me think, who do they have? Um, I, yeah, they have Cat. They have Cat. No, it, it's Anthony Edwards. But that leads me to my question for you, too. Is there any question? I don't think there is on this show or maybe around the state, but I think more importantly, in the locker room, in the target center, is there any question as to whether or not this is now 100% Anthony Edwards' team? Is it he the lo and behold leader? And if if you guys are dug in, two-parter here, if you're dug in on like, this is his team no matter what, 
if there's any hesitation around the locker room where it's like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a dual leadership type of thing. Like, oh, I, we're both leaders. We're both, this is both our team. You know, um, what would your message message to them be get out of the way or encouraging that kind of dual leadership? I don't know if I would necessarily say get them out of the way or move out of the way for the process. But if you don't understand by now that this is Anthony Edwards team, I don't know what it is that you can say to those type of players. I, I'm, I'm just not sure. You know, Carl Anthony Towns has been with the Minnesota Timberwolves for a while now. He's had some great years, but he hasn't had a ton of playoff success. We've kind of seen what the ceiling is for him. We have no idea what the ceiling is for Anthony Edwards. And it's clear his ascension is happening every single year. He had a great playoff run, as Jason um, highlighted earlier. He's he's He was sensational. And as long as he stays healthy, he has the potential to be an all-time great NBA player. That's just his potential. Carl Anthony Towns, again, great player. I don't know if he's a great leader. And honestly, I think it's just best that it goes in the direction that it looks like it's going right now, which is which is going to Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards' favor. I just think that he's he's a better player. And again, players in that locker room, if you can't tell the difference now between the two players, if you can't tell the difference between the play when it matters most, if you can't see that that potential, again, what do you say? What do you say to that type of player? Yeah, you might be right. Ultimately, you might have to get rid of them. You might have to let them go. You might have to tell them to move aside. You know what I mean? And maybe not like immediately move aside, I should say, but more of just like, hey, unnamed player who I think we all know I'm referencing here. Do you want to come to my office real quick? And then you have a whether it needs to be a five minute or 50 minute discussion, but whatever it is to get the point across of we appreciate you. Like as you're not going to cat, you know, you're not going to break break a bridge while this guy is still under contract with your team and everything. You still want to win basketball games. But convince him, have him buy into, look, you've had your chance. You need to pass the reins off because it's not your show right now. We have this young up-and-coming stud. He, This is his team. And as much as you want to potentially get out there and, um, you know, do the post-game interview, which you're going – when you have your – you know, when you, when you have your big games, you're going to, but the podcast right. appearances, the, you know, all this other stuff, you're not the guy right now. You can be a guy, a notable guy on this team, but you're not the guy. Yeah. And I, I, I would hope in a situation like that, you wouldn't have to sit a player down and kind of lay it out for them of why that is the case. You hope that would happen more naturally, like through practices and meetings and just just with Ant's presence alone, just commanding leadership in that kind of way. I mean, I think it would be easy for any player to kind of take a backseat. But I understand. And I, again, I understand this has been Carl's team for eight years, going on nine years. He's under a max extension, too. So, I mean, he probably feels with making that kind of money, he has an obligation to be a leader on this team. And I want him to kind of accept that role as well. Look, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that Cat can be an overall positive leader for this team. And I think there are a lot of ways that he actually is. I, I am curious just like what his relationship is with all of his teammates off the court and everything. I have no reason to believe that he has any issues with any. I mean, obviously, then Jimmy Butler, but no, nothing recent has ever come up. So as long as Cat 
is still here. And obviously trade rumors, even now that we're after the draft are still swirling. I mean, not just for Carl Anthony Towns, but we got a lot of NBA players in that mix. Dame Lillard apparently doesn't want to go anywhere to but Miami. And we're just trying to figure out where James Harden's going to go. Good luck to any team that has to take him on. So as long as, as Carl is here, I'm still going to give him plenty of chances to still like be a leader, but he has to also recognize that he's not the only, the only top player on this team anymore. And arguably he's not even the best player on this team anymore. And you know, that can be a hard pill to swallow. And I totally get that, but I would hope that just being around ants, being in meetings, being in practices, I, I hope that transition is happening more naturally. If, if it does come to that, then I think at that point, you probably have to trade a player. If you have to sit them down and kind of lay out, okay, dude, this ain't your team anymore. I think it's best for all parties at that point for just to, you know, cut your losses and move on. Um, I think the Timberwolves are probably far away from doing that because I, I'm 100% convinced that they are running this back, even though the trade cat, trade rumors are swirling cat. I don't think he's ultimately going to be traded. I still think that Tim Conley wants to see his his vision through whatever he was, whatever glasses he was looking through when he made that Rudy Gobert trade. I still think he wants to see that vision through. So, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's obvious now. I mean, especially now, because I think for whatever reason, there's there's a lot of obvious reasons he signed the na- the contract extension, but the national praise for Ant. He's been on ESPN lately on the Summer League thing. Like I said, he was on that big sphere in Vegas. And so the NBA is eating up Anthony Edwards uh, right now, as you can possibly imagine. Um, but I'm still going to give Cat a chance to show plenty of leadership qualities, which I think he has up to this point in his career. We've always just expected more out of him. He's a number one overall pick. So I think fans have always held him to a much, much higher standard uh, for that reason, exactly. Um, I do want to talk about, guys, maybe some of the the free agents that the Timberwolves have been able to sign. Now, now I understand, like, it's not the crazy awesome moves that the Lakers have been making. The Lakers literally signed, like, 75% of the free agent poll, so, the, you know, the Wolves and the rest of the NBA had to, like, pick up the scraps. Uh, but Shake Milton and Troy Brown, guys, actually, Troy Brown Jr., a former L.A. Laker, so uh, now I throw it over to Mr. Artis Woods for a little uh, player profile of what the Timberwolves, I guess, can expect from Mr. Troy Brown Jr. Artis, I did notice he wasn't playing a lot of games for the Lakers down the stretch in the playoffs, but still, what kind of player are the Wolves getting here? Um, he's a three and D type of guy. He's a three and D type of guy. Uh, I think he's a solid rotational piece. He played decent for the Lakers in the regular season. He shot like 38% from three in the regular season and was a really good shooter. The Lakers desperately needed shooting, and so he he really helped with that. He didn't see much time in the playoffs, though, because he made one three in the playoffs. <laughs> he made one three. He made one three in the first round of the playoffs. That's why um, every time he put the ball up, it was off the back of the rim. It was off the front of the rim. It was off the side of the rim. It was extremely frustrating. And so, like, as I sit here today, he kind of, like, he left a bad taste in my mouth from the Lakers because it's like, yo, you was hitting all these shots in the regular season. What happened in the playoffs? But I don't. I think – do I think it'll continue? No, I think he's too good of a shooter for that. You know, to shoot 38% and then not make a, a shot, not make a three-point shot a whole first round is not likely to happen again. So I think you're getting a solid player. I like Shake Milton, though, a lot. Yeah, I like that pick up a lot. I think he's a solid rotational piece. Um, I think he he come in and play the point, uh, point guard position, run the offense. He can shoot really well from the outside. You know, he's pretty streaky. He had really 
really good moments at times with the Sixers so far in his career. Not a ton, but enough to the point where, you know, you you say Shake Middleton you or Milton, you, you know the name right away. Well, okay, mm-hmm. that's a nice piece. And so I think he's a solid piece for what the Wolves are trying to do in the direction that they're moving in. I think he's a solid scorer, would need to be, to be a scorer. And with given more minutes, he could be probably a double-digit scorer. 10, 15 points a game, 38% from three, you know, that type of player. So um, defense, uh, hit or miss, he's scrappy. I will say that. He's scrappy, got some hustle to him. Um, But overall, I like the pickups. I like the pickups. This is about all they could do, really. I mean, I know that Bruce Brown and Dante DiVincenzo were rumored for potential free agent targets for the Wolves. We saw the money that Bruce Brown made in, in Indiana. It's crazy money. And then Dante DiVincenzo, I think, got a good hefty check from the New York Knicks. So once those price ranges got out of range for the Wolves, I think these were kind of the contingency moves that they had to make, like Shake Milton. Uh, again, I really am hoping, hoping that last year was just a just a just an off year for Jordan McLaughlin. I would love to have him have a renaissance next season. Um, I know that like Jalen Noel also had a bad year last year, but he is likely not going to be coming back to the Timberwolves. So I don't think that's a possibility. But yeah, you needed a point guard. You didn't draft a point guard, and here you go. You got Shake Milton, who can play the two. Actually, I think most. I think actually, if we were to definitively label his position, he probably is more of a two guard than actually a point guard. But he is going to bring a much needed depth to that position beyond Mike Conley and you know Mike Conley's probably inevitably going to miss a couple games as well so you're going to need a good backup I, I wouldn't even mind if maybe even somewhere down the road um, they got an, another veteran point guard but yeah Troy Brown Jr. Um, okay so uh, did he at least make more threes than Malik Beasley did in the playoffs or no did Malik Beasley? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Malik <laughs> even had playing time if I'm not mistaken oh, I don't think he okay. saw the court right. at all so but maybe but maybe he hit too I don't know I, I, I'd have to look that up really really quick because uh, maybe troy brown was so okay it was well, disappointing i think, it was I, think just, I, don't with, uh, I don't think it will continue though Wolves okay. fans. I, don't, I don't think it will right. continue i think malik signed with the bucks your milwaukee bucks there artists so yeah. uh, they need shooting too <laughs> they need shooting they do uh, yeah so yeah um we'll see what these guys can do but i mean yeah these these are depth moves these are guys that are going to be playing deep in your bench um, probably anywhere between 15, 10, five minutes a night or something like that, but should be solid move for the wolves. But again, when you got a lot, when you got $450 million tied up to centers, man, there's not going to be a whole lot of other moves you can make. Uh, we, I, again, I, I, we talked about this a little bit, artists, uh, losing Torian Prince. I was bummed about that. I thought he was going to make more money leaving the wolves. No, he took a 3 million pay cut too. Guess what? Yeah. Sign with the Lakers. The Lakers signed literally everybody. And but I'm bummed that Torian's gone. And um, I guess the, this is the contingency move to that. You sign Troy Brown Jr., you let uh Torian Prince go. But I still think maybe Torian's a little bit better player than uh Troy Brown. So yeah, we'll see what happens with these Wolves moves. Um, summer leagues off and kicking, Leonard Miller, all those guys are playing. I know we got I, I think Kyle Tiggy's down there reporting on live um for us a little bit, recording flagrant howls down there, leading the Josh Minot fan club to its <laughs> full capacity. He loves that dude. And I don't blame him. He had some good, he had a good a couple alley oop plays in the game uh, yesterday. It's pretty solid. I'm excited for that. So um, gentlemen, would you like to move on to a little hockey talk? Uh, we've been uh, just diving deep 
to the uh, Timberwolves free agency moves and everything going on there. Uh, now on to the ultra super duper busy Minnesota Wild. Oh, wait, we still got a couple years of buyouts to pay out. Um, AJ, it's uh, been a relatively quiet start to this wild offseason. We've made one trade for uh, Pat Maroon uh, coming in from the Lightning. We only uh, gave up a seventh round pick along with uh, Maxine Chikovic uh, as well. And uh, otherwise, we've made a couple other signings for entry level contracts. Um, but otherwise, it's uh, kind of been a little bit crickets for the wild this offseason, kind of as expected, though, right? Yeah, it's tough when you have two more years of seven point whatever million dollars in dead cap space. So I don't really blame Bill Guerin. He's he's got, you know, a, a, an arm and a half tie behind his back trying to make moves here to keep this team competitive. And I know they want to say that they're going to be competitive and Pat Maroon comes in um, saying that this team's window is now and they can win and blah, blah, blah. He's a, he's a darn good liar. He's a <laughs> great liar. Pat Maroon. You're already, I, I love it. You're already lying to me and try, trying to keep the spirits up. Um, I, I think this team will like, they'll be about as good as they've been. I just, they're not going to be a team that can make any sort of deep run if they do make the playoffs, but this should be a year coming up where you're seeing kind of what you have. You know, you're, 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 you're unfolding, you know, you're unfolding the paper and really checking out like the full main spread of what every prospect kind of offers is Caitlin Addison, a guy that you can actually have on here, or are you going to ship him out Is Marco Rossi and a pick that you are going to stand by or going to try to move. He should be getting full, uh, full NHL minutes here moving forward this season. Um, and yeah, you know, you trade us, you only trade a seventh rounder, which is just fine. I, you know, I, yeah, I granted it's not like some some people who are maybe aren't as familiar with hockey, like maybe diehard NFL fans. Why would you trade a seventh rounder every? Which is crazy to me because I think even in the NFL, what seventh rounder are you taking that's going to ever be an impactful player in your organization? I I it, it it's it's tomatoes to it's apples to oranges uh, right. for drafts. Like it's totally different values, but a seventh rounder for Pat Maroon and Maxime Ch- uh, Tchaikovich is a very solid trade for build care. And, and I say, and, and solid in the sense where you, you lose Ryan Reeves to Toronto. He signs a three-year deal, which go ahead, <laughs> Toronto. That's fine. Um, granted, they kind of need to do that, but that's another tangent. Um, yeah. But you replace his kind of locker room enthusiasm and a, that bigger body and that veteran presence with a guy like Pat Maroon, who he, he well, uh, I think he, I think I'm I'm paraphrasing slightly, but in his own words, chubby yet effective, chubby <laughs> yet effective. He, he this is a guy who ended the St. Louis Blues uh, Stanley Cup drought, played Gloria, and then he went over to Tampa Bay. And guess what? Not just one, but two in a two in a row. This man won three Stanley Cups back to back to back across two different franchises. If he, if there's anybody that knows how to win and go deep in the playoffs and have that kind of veteran experience and know the kind of ins and outs of a locker room to keep the vibes up throughout an entire 82 game season plus however long you have in the postseason, it's Pat Maroon. Um, I I think he's going to be a guy that almost instantaneously, once you get a couple like behind the scenes looks or TV interviews, whatever, is he's going to be a fan favorite without a doubt. He he's a great personality. He's a great guy from everything I hear. He's he does a lot of good things for the community. Um, one thing, and speaking of lack of action, Jason is the lack of action surrounding Matthew Dumba, who yet I have not heard a single lick 
about crazy stuff. Hmm. I didn't expect a lot of landing spots to be like chomping at the bit. Like I didn't, he, he's by no means a, a top market free agent this off season, but he's a guy where I, <laughs> I expected a lot more action than almost none. Uh, it's been insanely quiet. So like on one side of it, I think it's just, people are going to go after the top guys and it's going to be like, okay, I guess Matt Dumba's left. Let's mm-hmm. offer him the other spin zone, which I really doubt. I doubt. I want to preface. I highly doubt this is not happening, but there is a inkling of a percentage of a thought of a chance, tiny little bit in, in, in about as much as you have of winning the Powerball this coming week. And I've tried the past two times and I've, I've struck out. Oh. Um, like what if, we're playing a game of hype hypotheticals here. He just loves Minnesota so much. And he's like, I know that you are so strapped on cap space and all this other stuff. And with how bad, not in, I don't want to say how bad I've been. Would, would, he's not going to command the 6 million AAV I think he had this past season. What if he does a short-term deal with the Wild and just comes on back on chump change? Like the ultimate hometown discount mm. um i know i mean I he's like got it, so many connections and roots in the community he's got so i mean he he's a fantastic locker room guy whether you love him or hate him you have to admit that um i from my understanding one of his best friends in like the hockey world is Jonas brodeen his defensive partner um and he was and you gotta remember he's he's up until well still i I guess not technically anymore because he's not under technical contract, but until he's replaced, he has an A on his sweater for the Minnesota wild. Yeah. Um, he's one of the guys that when Kirill Kaprizov came over from Russia, he was having him in his living room, watching the world juniors on a holiday weekend. Uh, what watching, watching Canada take on Russia and kind of like elbowing him and like getting him comfortable with the setting of playing in the national hockey league and playing in Minnesota and the, the, the new environment. So, um, is that going to happen? Like I said, I really do not think so. I think there's almost zero chance, but I say almost zero chance because I've seen crazier things happen. I've lived through an era where Ilya Kovalchuk got a 17-year contract, a contract that would still have a, a few years on it yeah. if, he hadn't done, if he hadn't essentially retired from the sport of hockey. So, um, NHL hockey, I should say. But, um, yeah, no, it's like, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's just, it's for people out there that are like, why, why aren't the Wild doing anything? Why aren't they? They can't. They can't. I'm sending you into, I'm sending you into Best Buy to buy a TV, and I gave you $7. <laughs> good luck you can get maybe a three buttons off a remote that's it like that's yeah. what you're asking for so oh. um that's that's really all that's going on with the I, I, I love the reckless speculation um you gotta wonder if he's just trying to hold out for a longer term deal or something like that and he's just getting offered a bunch of short-term ones and he's just trying to look for more security at the moment because because you're right even if there's even if you don't like him that much as a player and there's maybe some things left to be desired he is still an incredible leadership guy and he proved that across the nhl not just for the while across Across the NHL over the last couple of years, especially when the league went into that bubble. And so uh, you, you think somebody will would at least value at least that kind of aspect of the player that he is. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we've had players take 
hometown discounts before the players that like it here. I mean, this isn't the same sport, but we just had Nas Reed sign an extension with the Timberwolves. And that seemed to be a very hometown team, good discount. And a lot of that was based off just the fact that he liked it here and he didn't really want to go to market all that much. So um, I would welcome Matt Dumba back. Uh, would you as well, AJ? I assume if there's, if there, if, if the money can fit and it, even if you're like not paying him as much as you used to, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we need as many depth players as we can get at this point because we're not signing buddy free agency. Uh, yes. And no, but only because I, I would, I would rather have some of the younger up and coming guys who are already like inked to their entry level deals. Like I Brock Faber sure. should not be cast to the side. So Matt Dumba can come back. Sure. Neither should Kalen Addison. Like I said, this is a season where you should see and take account for all of the eggs in your basket before you prepare for one final season of salary cap, you know, dismay before you can finally go out and try to rule the NHL. Um, and like I said, I, and I think you're, you are more spot on than I am even close with this weird, terrible hypothetical. I want to preface that because people are going to be like, oh, you're an idiot. Um, yes, you're, tr- you're right. But you know, it's, they're waiting to see what everybody else does because Matt Dumb isn't, I don't think at the top of anybody's list, it's going to be, Hey, he wants a certain amount of money. Other teams are like, we're going to give you not even close to that. And then they're going to work towards the middle and he'll eventually sign somewhere. I hope it's for, because I, I really enjoy him as a person and I'm going to root for him almost anywhere he goes. I hope it's to a spot that's going to be like somewhat competitive and can potentially make a run. Um, I don't want him signing with, I know you love them for whatever reason. The coyotes don't go to, don't go to the flyers. Cause they're a dumpster fire right now. Don't, you know, it, it, if you're going to do that, go somewhere pretty, go to like Anaheim, live in, live in LA, <laughs> go ahead. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the happenings with the Minnesota hey, wild I, right now. I think the coyotes have made some, uh, didn't they, uh, get Jason Zucker and a few other guys too. They've made a few moves this off season. You got to put some respect on that 5,000 seat, uh, arena in uh, Arizona. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to go play on a college campus, be my hey, guest. The only reason I want the coyotes to stay there is because my cousin, Alex lives there. The wild are his favorite team going to wild games are like one of his favorite things to do. I don't want him to have to like, drive up to Vegas or something or go to LA to watch the wild. I want them to stay home and uh, hope the guy always can figure something out, but I don't think they will um, quickly though. Just, I want to touch on the actual NHL draft at first. Um, I love this. And just for this reason alone, the first three picks for the wild, and we can obviously debate whether these picks are justified or not. Uh, Charlie Strammel, Rasmus, uh, Campulainen, and Riley Heights, a center, a center, and another center. The Wild went very heavy with centers to start the draft. Um, Charlie Strammel, though, from the University of Dun 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 Wisconsin. Uh oh, guys, the Wild drafted Ascania with their first pick in the draft. Are we a little? Are we a little worried about that at all, or was this a good pick for Billy G? Well, let's look at. Let's go back to 2019. Let's go back through. Yeah, let's go back through that draft here. Matt Vay Guskov and Nikita Nestorenko. That's your two centers drafted in 2019. 2020, mm-hmm. Marco Rossi, Merit Kusnadinov. I'm still holding out hope for uh, both those guys. I think they're going to be talented. Uh, 2021, Caden Bankier. And that was in the, the third round, 86th overall. Uh, not great. 2022. <laughs> Because of how the draft shaped up and how things fell, 
You may have wanted to go center, but Liam Ogren and Dania Yurov in the first round were too tempting to not. And then you go with Hunter Hate and Servak Petrovsky much, much later in the sixth round. But uh, Hunter Hate in the second round, we'll have to see there. That's still a development guy. But yeah, you said Charlie Strammel from Rosemount, Minnesota, goes to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Rasmus Kumpalainen and Riley Height. Those are three center prospects. Here's my issue, though. <laughs> At 21st overall, in the year of 2023, Charlie Stramel, I feel, is a reach. And I I feel, I want to preface that, I watch, a, I watch a decent amount of college hockey. So I do know that this past year, Wisconsin was not good. They, they were not the Wisconsin that you typically understand in, in like, you know, imagine, imagine if you're a college basketball fan, imagine Duke just doesn't even make the tournament, you know, like, yeah, you expect Wisconsin to be much better because of that mixed with him being a freshman and still kind of integrating to the college game. He had a bad season, but my issue with the picket, I, I, I think the, the ceiling is pretty high there, but I feel like you could have gotten in the second round. Um, it's it's it, yeah it's just an, an interesting pick because of some other guys that were on the board at the time um but you know it's it's one of those things where i'm going to trust judd brackett and i'm going to and i'm going to trust billy garen because they they seem to have a pretty darn good idea of what they want to do and have a pretty good grasp on this sport of hockey um rasmus kumpelainen i'll be honest i i i didn't know too much about him um I'm it's, you know, it's, it's another pick, uh, Charlie Strammel going back to him though. He he's a six foot three centerman. He's the type of centerman where you want that guy in the middle of the ice for you. He's, he's already somewhat built like an NHL ready guy. The skill set obviously has to be there. Um, but his, his floor in, in ceiling are a little bit different from some of the other prospects that I was maybe holding out for. Because the ceiling, I feel like, is a lot higher than the other guys simply because of he, in a sense, has regressed so much because of that poor year at Wisconsin. It, it could be one of those things where um, the Wild draft and Matt Boldy and Matt Boldy struggled his first year out in Boston. And everybody's like, what are they doing? They should have gone with Cole Caulfield. Why do they draft? This? Oh. Matt Boldy's pretty freaking good now. He's he's pretty good. So um, I, I Charlie Strammel, I was I was upset at the pick because of the timing, not because of the player. I've since talked myself into it more, and I do. I, I'm backing him. I I would love to see the hometown guy be in an be in a wild sweater one day. The one pick that I absolutely love though, and this I, I was gushing the the next morning. Riley Height at 64. I had him late first round on my big board. Ooh. I had him late first round. He was a guy that was late first round, possibly slipping to second, but he is a good skater. He gets up the ice with like with a determining factor. He 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 is actually going to be, I think, pretty solid. He played with the Prince George Cougars in the WHL. Um, so it, some of the teams in the C, in the OHL, or not in the OHL, but in the WHL, uh, yeah, and the WHL mixed with um the QMJHL and the OHL. Not every team is great, but you do have a lot of like it's across the board a very competitive league. There is a couple teams where you know you have like 
you have Connor McDavid at times, you know, he's just there and he's just going to light it up. Connor Bedard. He's just there. He's going to light it up. Um, but this guy was a very big piece for Prince George. And he, I think he's going to continue to be, he, there's no reason that they're going to sign him right off the rip. So he's going to go back, play another year, maybe two, depending on how things shake up um, in the WHL. And uh, when he does kind of develop a little bit more, I expect him to be a decent piece. Um, maybe not. He's, I don't ever expect him to get to like a top. I, I don't expect him to be a top six center, but he could be a middle six. Like he could, if needed, maybe get up to a, a second line center. But he, if anything, he's a consistent third line center. Who's a, also a playmaker and can play both sides of the rink, which I, which I do enjoy. Yeah. As the, as a more casual hockey observer that I am, um, it is, it is, I mean, a big criticism of this team that we've had for several years is just the lack of uh, the center depth, pretty much. And we've wanted the Wild to go out and make trades and all this kind of stuff, and, and nothing's really been able to materialize. And so you look at this draft, and like, like I said, I couldn't help but see that, oh, yeah, our first three picks are centers. And you kind of get encouraged by that because it's been a team need for quite a while now. But at the same time, you don't want to get caught in a, you know, a point where your team where you're mostly drafting for a need. I don't think necessarily the Wild did that here. I think these were just the guys on their board and it just kind of fell this way. I don't think they when Billy G went into the top uh, into the draft and was like, oh, no, we need to prioritize center, center, centers. It may be positionally, it may have been at the top, but I don't think that's why this run particularly happened. Yeah, we'll see with uh, Charlie Strammel. Uh, again, kind of a off year in Wisconsin for just them overall. Probably expect them to bounce back pretty soon. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can uh, crack the wild roster in the next couple years and some of these other guys as well. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on really quick before we move on to probably just a little bit of Twins talk. Um, Philip Gustafson and there's arbitration. Um, what is the time frame of when that can all get resolved? I know that him and a bunch of other players are in that mix right now, but I mean, I would like him to be the wild starting goaltender going into next year. So when, when can that potentially get resolved here? It's so it, they had to file it by, I want to say it was these fourth or the sixth. I can't. Yeah. Think. I think of the sixth, the sixth. Sounds it was the sixth. Um, I'm having such a blank right now because I want to say it has to get resolved. Well, let me ask you this instead. Like, do you think it will get resolved? Do you think Philip Guffs? Yes. Yes. I, yeah, that's a better question. Thank you for not trying to force me to remember this. Um, (laughs) They, I think it's going to get resolved just because the wild, I think want, they, I think both parties know that, if he comes back, he's going to be the main guy. I think because we've, we've already seen Mark Andre Fleury um, say in a sense that he is a okay with coming back in a lesser role, a role that's more supportive of a starting goaltender, which based off last season is Philip Gustafson. The question I think that both sides are maybe pondering, which is the wild. Can he do it again? And Gustafson sign is, you saw what I just did. Let's give me some money here. So um, I, some people are saying, you know, if if he's playing hardball, you got to trade him, but every GM is going to go, well, Hey, Bill, I can't, you know, that might've been a fluke season. Like I'm not going to overpay for just a goaltender. Cause there's pretty, 
decent backup goaltenders like on the market right now as we speak. So um, who could, like I said, in a year that I expect them to be me, you know, middle of the pack and maybe competitive at times, but probably not be an elite team by any means. That's really all you need. So um, Philip Gustafson, I mean, and honestly, he could be a, a deal where he'd come to trade deadline time. Maybe a team really needs a, a good goaltender and there you go. But uh, that's a conversation for a much, much different day. I think that's going to be just fine. From what I understand, the wild do really want him back. And I think he really enjoyed one getting out of Ottawa and coming to Minnesota and being embraced by the fan base. Um, you know, the whole Gus bus stuff and just getting his time to really step out into the spotlight, I think goes a long way with players. Um, that being said, money does talk as, as yep. much as we don't want to admit that at times. Sorry, uh, Vlad Jr. just threw his bat into the crowd here at the. Oh, like when he was batting and it just he yeah, just slipped out, it, just hands. right out of his fingers. Um, yeah, did, get better gloves, buddy. Off topic, did you guys see him hit a kid with like a line drive last? Night? Yeah, right in the face, and oh then kind of cut right away. God. But it just nailed the kid like square in the dome. Oh, Somebody's I mean, they've, they've had kids shagging five balls in the home run derbies <laughs> for years now. I don't know how this doesn't happen every single year where just an oblivious kid doesn't just get nailed in the noggin. Well, it it, it was. Somebody, I think somebody like got like the stat cast stuff, and I'm pretty sure somebody said that was like 113 off the bat. Oh, so, oh, oh, oh poor man. So just crazy okay. stuff. But um, shout out, my bad for interrupting, but shout out to the home run derby too, man. I, I found it pretty, pretty entertaining, man. I found it pretty entertaining as a guy that's you know trying to ease himself into baseball as we speak here. Yeah, I. I yeah. definitely enjoyed that. I think that's better than most all-star events that you see out of most sports, honestly. Way better than the dunk contest by a mile. The at NBA this point, I would say so. Horrible at this point. I at think, point, I I think like peak dunk contest back in the day was a much better show. But like, yeah, if you had to give me like one all-star contest that I got to see in person or like, you know, I had like, that's the only one I can watch over here. It, I think it's home run derby. It's just, it's grown meaty beefy men hitting little tiny balls <laughs> 500 feet yeah and, just, put it and at times plunking children so <laughs> um yeah no it's no, not that that's great but um no it i yeah a lot of fun but yeah i think that kind of wraps up our our minnesota wild talk here yes it does speaking but speaking of the midsummer our- classic oh, oh yeah how about these Minnesota twins? Cause they are been, they have been not great. They have been not great. As I try to pull up uh install here, the <laughs> AL central standings, but I, I've got it for you right here. AJ, we are half game back of the Cleveland guardians. Now we are below 500 with a 45 mm. and 46 record. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of been the same conversation that we've had several weeks now here on taxi squad. Pitching's great. Pitching's still doing great, but the offense just still stinks and is not going anywhere. We thought maybe things were getting a little bit on track, like a couple days ago when they swept the Royals and scored like eight and nine runs in consecutive games. And I don't know the last time the twins have done that, but then this last series against the Orioles has, it, it was just a disaster culminated into like it culminated with like a 15 to two loss in the last game of the series it was just complete implosion across the entire pitching staff and the offense was just nowhere to be found um 
it, I, I just they don't are in such know. a weird spot that one of their pitchers is also coming out and saying like, I might just retire after this year because yeah. <laughs> Sonny Gray is like essentially saying they're making me hate the sport of baseball. Oh my God. So dealing with Rocco Baldelli and his calculator of knowledge telling me that I can't go a certain amount of distance into a game is making a guy that they traded for just not want to be a pitcher in the MLB. And he's like, I could probably pitch at a pretty solid level. It's just about whether or not I enjoy it. I know. And they're sucking the life out of him. I know. And considering now he had to stop in Cincinnati in between there, but Sonny Gray played for the Yankees. He got traded over there when he played for the Oakland A's got traded there. And he got just, he got just brutalized by fans and media members because he was supposed to be their ace and he didn't really pan out that way. And so you'd think that like, you know, having to deal with the New York media for a bit, you'd just be like, oh yeah, kind of like, let's just take it. Like, I don't know, just hopefully the rest of my career will be nice and easy and easy going. And then he gets here and he has to deal with this kind of stuff, <laughs> even though I don't, I feel bad blaming Rocco for everything. Cause I don't think this is all Rocco's fault. I think this has a lot to do with more of the front office philosophy and Rocco's kind of had to be the lightning rod. Cause he's the manager has to take all the post-conference uh, questions from reporters and everything. So yeah, it's easy easy to like pin this on Rocco. And I know that some of us here of score North have maybe or may not have uh, called for uh, Rocco Baldelli's job at this point. I'm not in that camp. Um, I'm still obviously willing to let the season play out, but it just, I don't, I, I don't know if a big trade is coming. I know that uh, the guys, Phil, Judd, and Declan on the Twin Show, which has been revived here on Score North, check that out. The Twin Show is back. Uh, they threw out the idea of Paul Goldschmidt. I know I threw out that name a couple weeks ago as well. I just don't know if like trading for a you know offensive piece, even though they desperately need one, is ultimately going to fix this team, even if it's a big guy like uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Um, their only saving grace right now is that they still have a plus 27 run differential, and everybody else is in the red in the AL Central. Cleveland's at a negative seven. Detroit's negative 86. Chicago's negative 67. Uh, I think Detroit and Chicago, I mean, they're both more than 10 games under 500, even though, yes, they're technically still in the hunt for the AL Central. I don't anticipate Detroit and Chicago doing anything. But here's the think Cleveland's kind of in the same boat as us. The only players that are really hitting for them consistently are obviously Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor. They're otherwise looking for a lot more production out of their lineup. So Cleveland is kind of in the same position kind of as us. Now, Cleveland has kind of been that way for several years. They've always had a much better pitching staff than their um, than their uh, lineup. But this year in Cleveland, I mean, I think they're hitting for a worse average even than the Twins, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they actually do have a worse um, even uh, OPS than the Twins so far this season, which doesn't seem possible. Um, we have to consider at this point, because honestly, I, I'm kind of under the philosophy that if you are under 500 by the time it's the All-Star break, no matter what your position is in the standings, I'm more geared to maybe being sellers at the deadline at this point than buyers. Yes, you're a half game out, but I just don't know ultimately like is going after the division with this team really something that they should do. Um, especially I feel like they have to, to cut you off here to sell, to sell or buy to buy. They have to buy. But they have to buy. Okay. They, they have to go. They have to go out because the, the poll lads have always been. And it seems like this is like a twins Vikings thing where it's like, we're never going to be God awful. We are going to be 
somewhat competitive, if not, you know, like we're never going to be bottom of the barrel. I, they would rather be middle of the pack. You're not, you're never going to get a good pick, but you're, you know, but you're still winning like 70 games a season. You know, that's not a success, but that's a secret behind the thumbs. This like scenes like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, they, they, ha- they have to, they have to because only because baseball is such a weird sport where if you get hot right before October and you get the vibes cooking and everything like that, who knows what you can do in the postseason? I just don't um, anticipate this team doing that though. Like it's just, they, they haven't well, had like these you need, you hot stretch of the team. You need a jolt. And I don't want to say I'm, I don't like calling for, for jobs because I wouldn't want somebody to do it. That being said, baseball manager in the MLB and weekend producer, sometimes night guy at, at score North is completely different professions, but that would be a jolt to, to side with Judd there for a moment. Um, you got to do something. I don't think a big trade because I don't think they're going to give up. Like, look how much it look, look the twisting their arms, tra- uh, trading for pitching in the off season. They finally do it. And now the hitting is just not up to snuff. You got to get some sort of a bat in some way. Uh, but it also comes with why is Max Kepler still on this team? He has why is Delgado still in this team every single day. It's yeah. just, it's just, why are we trotting these guys out there? And I don't even want, I would, I, I watch the Cubs more than I watch the twins, but I know, I know that Max Kepler, he'll have like three games or he'll have like what a, a multi home run game. And everybody's like, Max Kepler is so back. And for some reason, that's some, for some reason he has this army of twins fans that just, they have to have him in the lineup. No, the era of Max Kepler needs to be over. Move on. Walner's in St. Paul mm-hmm. lighting it up. Get him up here. Yeah. Get him up here. No, Kepler, like you said, Kepler just went through that really hot stretch when they were on the road in Baltimore and when they came up for Kansas City. I mean, he was he got two hits in four out of like five games during that stretch. So people were like, oh, okay, if maybe Max is finally heating up and then didn't get a single hit in this last Baltimore series. And like you said, Matt Walner is still just killing it in triple A. I just it ha- it has to just be money. It has to just be the fact that Max Kepler makes more money than Matt Walner, and that is why he gets a chance to play in the majors, and Matt Walner does it, and Max Kepler is just completely out of options, obviously, at this point in his career. That is literally the only reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, there's not going to be an internal move, really, that they can make, unless, yeah, like you said, unless they fired somebody. Um, there, there's not going to be a really internal move that could really spark this team. They've already had team-only meetings. We've already had Rocco um, go on tirades and post-game press conferences. Like, at, at this point, I don't really know what they could do besides changing people's job securities, which I don't necessarily know if I want them to do at this point. Um, I'm not really big on firing managers mid season, unless it's completely, completely warranted. And I'm just, I'm not at that point with Rocco Baldelli. I'm not next season though. I, I don't really know. Maybe in the off season, I don't really know. Um, I just, I, besides Paul Goldschmidt, I don't really know who all is. I mean, there's plenty of, uh, off season or uh, deadline targets to go after. Um, but really, it's it's the end through July here is going to be so important for the Twins because it's just going to ultimately determine what they want to do with the season. And us Twins fans have been told for a couple of years, you know, 2023 was going to be a big pop in year. So far, it just it just really hasn't. And, and, and then the weird thing is, guys, to be honest with you, 
Um, despite I have thrown so much pessimism at you guys about the Twins just now, in a weird way, because of this pitching staff, I actually would be fairly confident in this team's ability to win one single playoff game. Only because of the pitching staff, only because you got rock solid starters and you got a pretty lights out uh, reliever at the end there with Yoan Duran. If you could like you could win a three to two ball game game one with this pitching staff. But again, you're going to need more offense overall if, you know, you actually want to win more than one playoff game in the MLB postseason. And right now it's just. It's just not happening. And Royce Lewis being out that that stinks with his oblique injury. I think that is maybe a big underlying factor of just maybe that spark that's kind of left this the Minnesota Twins bats. Um, hopefully they just get some nice R&R during the All-Star break. And you now I got Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez out in Seattle right now. I know Sonny Gray uh, threw an inning in the All-Star game tonight. I don't know if Pablo Lopez is going to get a chance to go out there either. Um, but... I, I hate to say it, but just just the overall feeling for the Twins right now is maybe as one of its lowest points in the entire season. And again, you just got absolutely thwacked by Baltimore. Baltimore's a good team this year. They're very, very good. But you were able to win a series in Baltimore not even hardly a week ago. And for you to just come in just that piss poor of an effort. Sorry to use the language there, but it's absolutely true. It was it was pretty embarrassing. And again, maybe they can save their season. They still have a pretty good a run differential, which is a decent indicator of where teams uh, will finish towards the end of the regular season. But as of right now, it's just unless they fire somebody or make a big trade, um, I'm at least not too optimistic that the Twins are actually going to be able to salvage just an absolutely horrendous division. This It is pretty embarrassing to me that like there actually is a pretty decent chance that the Twins won't win the AL Central when it is this bad this year. But Cleveland, Cleveland is just, they're always just right there, always kind of pesky. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, guys, that was a lot of good uh, Wolves, Wild, Twins talk, but we probably uh, got to get out of here pretty soon, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Any final words from either of you guys before we wrap it up here? I think I'm good. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's been a fun episode. Yeah, hey. Very glad, insightful glad on, the, at, on on the Wild and on baseball. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm glad we could have a little powwow about uh, – I mean, I figured it was a no-brainer with, with Ann Edwards, but, you know, it's always nice to just get that re reaffirmation about it just to make sure that I am in the right state of mind there. So uh, make sure to, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review – Follow, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever the rating system may be on your platform of choice, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or also just downloading from scorenorth.com. Um, thank you for tuning in. Another episode of Taxi Squad. We'll be back next week for Jason, uh, Jason Stormer and Artist Woods. I'm AJ Fredrickson. Goodbye. <laughs>